I ever had was communion. It'd be the richest one of all. I'm going to be singing that all day. Do you believe that, man? Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much, Carlos and the team here. I'm just so blessed. Having a blast. I'm just in love with you guys. We just got to know each other, and I am just been in such a little intimate revelation flow, man, just loving God and uh, getting revived. And uh, Mark said that's one of y'all's desires is that people would leave more refreshed than when they came or even in giving more, receiving as much or more than what they're giving. And I want you to know it's true. And I'm getting undone by your hunger and by all that God's doing. Or, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. I love you guys. Okay, good. All right, turn to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Father, we love you so much. And that's what we want. We want communion, Jesus. We want deep, intimate communion. We thank you for the prayer and prophetic conference. And we ask you, Father, that you would release your heart and your word tonight. That you would write your word on our hearts. That you would awaken us and that you would blow a trumpet in Jacksonville. God, we ask you to blow a trumpet in this region, God, that would rally and gather your people. And that you would begin to bring forth your, uh, your prophetic uh, timeline in this city. And that you begin to release your word and power. That you would begin to release a gathering and a, a marking among pastors and leaders and in the, uh, in the city, God. Release it, we pray. God, I pray your blessing over Jacksonville House of Prayer. I pray uh, that 2017, we'd see an open heaven over this house. Visitation, encounter, a calling that you would gather people to this place. And that you would release your purposes in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, good. Well, I want to start in Psalm 2, and I want to just give a phrase, and I, and I, want, to, I want to start on a big level, but I believe that we, as far as in this nation and in the earth right now, I believe that we're in a Psalm 2 crisis that demands a Joel 2 response, which will result with an Acts 2 outpouring. A Psalm 2 crisis, a Joel 2 response, an Acts 2 outpouring. All right, you can remember that, all the twos. All the twos. And Psalm 2 is where I spent most of 2014 and 15. When I say that literally, this is what it looks like when you spend, you know, a whole year with a chapter is you just write on it. It's almost like your bed. So that's kind of what it looks like when you hang out with a chapter. I can't even read it anymore, but I'm going to act like I'm reading it. <laughs> but um, Holy Spirit just rocked me in a deep way, and I, and I really believe it's... I believe, one, it's happening on a big scale. I want to look at Psalm 2. These are three chapters that I believe you need to really be familiar with in these days. And I would say the 12 verses of Psalm 2 may be the most prophetic verses. And this may be the most prophetic chapter of what's happening in the earth right now. And how we need to be able to process and get into agreement with what Jesus is doing. David, uh, David in the book of Acts is called a prophet. And right here in Psalm 2, he's seeing a vision. He's in a visionary experience and he's seeing something unprecedented. And I want you to think of Psalm 2 like a four-part drama. There's four scenes and each scene is three verses. In the first scene, you're going to see the nations of the earth. In the second scene, you're going to see the Father. In the third scene, you're going to see Jesus and the church. And in the fourth scene, you're going to see David and the church. So I want you to uh, look at this. I want to walk through this just a little bit because I want you to feel and get familiar with this passage. David's looking at this and the first question out of his mouth is why? Everyone say why? Which means it doesn't make sense. It's insanity on a global scale. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot a vain thing? And then he sees specifically the kings of the earth setting themselves and the rulers taking counsel together. So he's seeing kings in unity, the major players of nations in back rooms conspiring together. And look at who they're declaring war against. Against the Lord and against his anointed. It's the kings, it's the nations, it's the major players in nations conspiring in one unified assault against the Father and against the Son. Saying this, let us break their bonds in pieces and let us cast away their cords from us. It doesn't even take a prophetic, that much of a person with much prophetic insight to see that we're seeing in this nation as well as in the earth, the conspiring and the attempt of nations to throw off God 
his leadership and his word as our moral authority. When we're seeing, we can just bring it home to our nation and what we've been seeing take place over the last years has been an all-out assault to remove God, to remove his leadership, and in essence say this, it's time we get delivered from the old guy and it's time we get delivered from the old book. And a generation is wanting to break the bonds because I'm here to tell you that you will either see God's word as loving boundary lines into which you experience pleasure or you will see them as bonds and cords that restrict your pleasure. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And David is seeing this from the horizontal level and he's going, why? It's vanity. It's not going to work. You can build your sandcastle all day long, but I want you to understand there's a wave about to come in. It's vanity. It's not going to work. And why would you seek to overthrow something that's been established from eternity past? Why do the nations rage? Why is there vanity? Why are they plotting? Why is there confusion? What are you trying to do? And it's like David's caught into watching CNN and Fox and MSNBC and they're caught into watching it on his television. <laughs> and then the scene closes. And the very next scene opens and the very thing we see next in the next scene is the father saying, David, I want to bring you up and I want you to have my divine perspective over what's happening. Because the very next thing it says that he who sits in the heavens, everyone say in the heavens. Which means you're not, he goes, I want you to feel it, see it, understand what's going on at a horizontal level. But I don't want you to engage in this battle from a horizontal level. I want to bring you up into the heavens. I want to fill you with my confidence. I want to fill you with my plan. And this specifically, I don't want to go into all of it tonight, but Psalm 2 is ultimately something that's coming in the future where all nations are seeking to destroy the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, and seeking to conspire against Israel. And it is the great end time thrust of Satan to destroy the very people that Jesus said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So it's Satan's last assault to destroy the plan. And David's going, it's vanity, it's not going to work. The Father's in heaven. And it says he laughs. And number two, it says this. It says that he will hold them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath, distress them in his deep displeasure. And look at what the Father declares over the nations. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Hallelujah. The Father stands and He wants to fill you with that confidence that there is one city and there is one king. There is one city and there is one king. And no matter who is conspiring, no matter how much level of demonic activity, no matter if Satan and all of his resources is against it and all the powerful players of the nations, no one is going to overthrow the eternal plan of the Father to give, all, to give the Son that city from whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed. No devil, no power, no principality, no conspiracy theories will be able to overthrow it. Hallelujah. I want to declare to you right now that Jesus is installed on His holy hill in heavenly Zion right now. He is seated at Father's right hand. I want you to see it. Do you see it? He is seated at Father's right hand, filled with all power and glory and honor. He is installed as King right now. But beloved, I'm here to tell you He's coming again. And He's going to take His seat on His Father David's throne. The city of Jerusalem from where He will rule the nations. I want you to believe that. We always say he's coming, but guys, there's really a day. Who in here really believes that he was born? And well, Hold on. You don't know what I'm going to ask you. We could be getting into weird doctrines tonight, and you already got your hands raised. Who really believes the baby was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? Good. I do too. You sure Mary didn't figuratively give birth to Jesus? She didn't send Bob. No, no, she screamed, and a boy came out. Who in here really believes that he died on the cross for our sins? You sure about that? Some religions believe that he was taken off last second and Judas was put in his place. It's weird, I know. 
Who in here really believes he came out of the grave three days later like he said he would? You're telling me a man that's been dead for three days comes out of a grave, raising him own self up from the grave and walking out of it. I believe it too. Who in here believes that he ascended 40 days later in a cloud while he went up there and they all saw him? You're like, I think I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Jesus had a 40-day conference. He did. He had a 40-day conference. I mean, that's the, that's the prayer and prophetic conference you want to be at. 40-day conference and a resurrected body teaching on the kingdom of God. And a cloud came and took him up. And what did the angels say when they were looking up in Acts 1? They go, why are you looking up? I always want to tell the angels, angels, we're not used to this. This is crazy. Give us a break. We've never seen a dude get picked up by a cloud taken up somewhere. That's really, that's amazing. They go, why are you looking up? In the same way he went up, so he's coming down again. No, I'm going to say that again. In the same way he went up, so he's coming down again. Not figuratively, not symbolically, literally. That Jewish man, Yeshua, is coming. The last trumpet, the voice of an archangel, the shout of God will descend out of heaven. Riding on a white horse, all the saints, all the angels. And he will come and he will establish his throne from Jerusalem from where he will rule the nations. My goodness. And the Father, I love it because I want you to understand, and this is what's hitting me. What I want you to take away from this is because what Father is seeing right here is is nation seeking to steal his son's inheritance. This is all about inheritance. This is all about a plan and a promise given to Abraham thousands of years ago, fulfilled through Jesus, and he is the one who gets that land, and nobody will steal it. It would be the way any father in this room would feel about any son. You've worked your whole life. You've gotten to the stage of retirement. And now you're going to hand it all off to your son. And he's going to inherit the multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar business that you labored for. And at last second, somebody tries to oust you, kill him, and take over the business. How would the father feel about that? Uh Uh-uh. I've worked too hard. I've put too much into this. This thing's already been established. You're not going to overthrow a plan I've been dreaming about forever. And I want you to know, I love the father that gives me hugs, but this is a different father right here. <laughs> this is the father that says, you don't mess with my boy, you don't mess with my plan. And you don't mess with my land. He goes, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I like the feisty father. The scene closes and the next scene opens and who do we see standing there? All right, Jesus has heard. And the next scene opens, and who do we see standing there? David is getting to eavesdrop in arguably one of the greatest conversations in the Bible. Now get a hold of this. David is sitting there watching something, and he sees Jesus, the Lord, speaking to the Father. And the first words out of his mouth is, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And then he says this, ask of me. And I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And the ends of the earth as your possession. Hallelujah. And this is what's hitting me is that as chaos, confusion, lawlessness, rebellion is breaking out. Craziness is going on in the nations. The father declaring openly, you will not get it. I've already established my son is king. Where do we find Jesus in the middle of all the chaos, confusion, and craziness? We find Him in the prayer room. We find Him in the prayer room. And He comes into the place of intimacy. And David steps in on the back end of a conversation because the Father had declared things over Jesus. And what is Jesus doing in the middle of the chaos and confusion? He is declaring back to the Father what the Father has declared over Him you got to get this. He says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me. 
The first revelation that the Father declared over the Son is, You are my Son. It is the revelation of His belovedness. The revelation of the Father's affection. The revelation of the Father's love for the Son. And not only that, the Father declared over Him. He goes, you see those nations that are raging? That's your inheritance. I want you to ask me for them and I'm going to make them your inheritance. I spent all of 2014 with that. In the middle of the hardest season of my life. My best friend Alan Hood was actually with you on March 16th, 2013. I was in London. My wife's in Arkansas seeing family. We have three daughters, a son. She puts our son, our nine-month-old son, to sleep. He doesn't wake up from his nap. And the earthquake hit my family. And in the middle of the most intense four years of my life, of our life, in the middle of it all, the Lord took me to Psalm 2. And, in, and I began to connect with in the same way that when warfare, chaos, confusion was breaking out, we find Jesus in the place of prayer, locking eyes with the Father, receiving His belovedness and asking for His inheritance. And the Lord began to talk to me in that time and He said, Corey, He says that when the chaos, confusion, and craziness is breaking out, I want you to lock eyes with me. I want you to receive your belovedness and I want you to begin to ask for your inheritance. Your inheritance being your family. Your inheritance being everything that He's called forth in your life. Your inheritance being everything that He's dreamed about your life that you would begin to ask you, ask Him for what the enemy is seeking to take. I want to tell you in that season, the Lord began to speak to me that your greatest places of warfare are to become your greatest places of inheritance. Are y'all with me tonight? Can I talk this way? I mean, this is a prayer and prophetic. Your greatest places of warfare shall become your greatest places of inheritance. And what do we find Jesus doing? We find Him in intercession. But here, that's why God is awakening prayer in this hour. And that's why He's calling us to the place of prayer. Because intercession is not informing God with stuff. Intercession is declaring back to God what God's already spoken over you. Now, you've got to get this or you'll never understand prayer. You think of prayer as your shopping list of things you need God to do in your life. And he says, chunk the shopping list. I want to fill you with my dreams. I want to fill you with who you are to me. And I want to fill you with what I call your inheritance. And I want you to come out of the shadows. And I want you to lock eyes with me. And I want you to ask me for them. Why does Jesus have to ask? What is it, is it about asking? This is Jesus. He is the king. It's already settled. What is he showing us right here? That he rules as a priest. And that he rules through asking. And that God's government and power is released in our life as we ask him. What is it about asking? It draws you off the back row of Christianity. And it brings you into eye to eye contact. He draws your heart into talking to him. He wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you. That's a revelation. He wants to look you in the eye. You look him in the eye. You to get filled with your belovedness. It's the only way I can say it. That means if Jesus has to hear, you are my son. How much more do you need to hear? I'm his beloved son. I'm his beloved daughter. I'm the one in whom his affection is in. That's why God is raising up houses of prayer and praying churches. You need to set your behind in that chair long enough. We need to have prophetic singers sing of his love over us until the walls of fear and the dams of rejection and the trauma begins to break on the inside of us and we begin to buy into the greatest revelation of all time. God loves me. He enjoys me. He takes pleasure in me. I am the apple of his eye. I am his beloved. And when that begins to crash in upon your life, heaven's open and you begin to believe for impossible things. You don't get that at a McDonald's drive-thru and you can't get that by my hand laid on you. I want to give it to you, but I can't give it to you. All that these conferences do is they give you about a two-week window to reorient your life to get your behind in the chair. 
And if you don't make new decisions in the two-week window, it will go back to life as normal, and you'll start dreaming about prayer and prophetic 2018. And I'll come back, and God's so kind, He'll do it again. (laughs) I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. Everybody said, He says to me. Hallelujah. He has said it to me. Ask of me. I'll give nations as your inheritance. I'll give nations as your inheritance. What's your inheritance? What is your inheritance? My life, my marriage, my family, my children, my city, my state, my nation. A spirit of revival hitting this region. What is the inheritance? What is it you've promised to me, God? What has God already started the conversation with you? What's God said to you in dreams? What's God given to you of rhema words that have jumped off that page? What has God already been speaking to you? Because whatever He speaks prophetically, it's to bring you into asking Him for it. I'll tell you as quickly as I can, and that's what I've been preaching for two years since my son. We named my son Nash, Daniel Na- after Daniel Nash, the intercessor for Charles Finney. I said, God, give me an intercessor in... If you know history, he was a hidden intercessor. Nobody ever saw his face, but he was so integral to Charles Finney, the great revivalist success, that as they ran together for seven years, it was the most powerful years. Well, God saw fit that he's my hidden intercessor because after nine months, he took him up. And a friend of mine from Lakeland actually had a dream in about May of 2015. It was about May of 2014, somewhere in there. And, and uh, in the dream, the church was under siege. It was a Psalm 2 moment. And it was almost like the church was beginning to get hit on every side, saying, my goodness. And it's like everyone began to retreat to the house of prayer, to the church. And we began to realize we weren't ready to, we, we weren't prayer equipped to handle the shifting that was going on. And in the dream, me and Alan walked in. And in the dream, I look at him and I go, these are the days we've been waiting on. I was all excited. And then in the dream, he began to prophesy over me. And he said, Corey, for every one voice of awakening, God is raising up seven voices of intercession. For every one voice of awakening, God's raising up seven voices of intercession. And then he said, I've given Lou Engle the Nazarites, but now I'm about to raise up the Nasherites. Only God and Lou Engle would come up with a phrase like that. If you know Lou Engle, Nasherites, these hidden revival intercessors, hidden revival intercessors. Nobody knows their names. Nobody knows their faces, but heaven and hell move when they lift their voice. And I'm like, God, that's it. That's my inheritance. Give me a hundred million Nasherites. That's what I want. I want a hundred million Nasherites. Let them become like bonfires all over the nations of the earth that would take their stand and say, I have something great. See, what God's doing with the prayer movement in the earth, He's delivering us from stages. He's delivering us from bigness. He's delivering us from how big, how great. And He is connecting us to the most powerful revelation in the world. I have the president of the universe's attention. And he moves at the sound of my voice. What's going to happen when that virus gets out? Heaven moves when I lift my voice and I speak back to him what he said in his word. What he said over this city, what he said over my life, my family. And the Lord told me in that season, he goes, come out of the chaos, confusion, and craziness and come into that eye-to-eye contact. Talk to me, Corey. Hear what I'm saying and begin to ask me for your inheritance. Jesus, inheritance. Ask him for your inheritance. It's my desire that God would raise up Nasherites here in Jacksonville. God will begin to set intercessors on the wall in this room. See, this is what happens. I love intimacy with God. 
But when you get intimate with God, you get pregnant with the purposes of God. And I know that might sound a little different for some of us, but we like to separate. Well, I'm not mostly into that intense intercession. If you're intimate long enough, you're going to get filled with what burns on his heart. You're going to get filled with the injustices that he wants to see made right in this city. And he goes, I don't rest until justice is established in the earth. And I want you to share my heart. I want to see God break in. And he's going to begin to fill you with his heart. Saying, God, release it. God, set the church on fire in this region. Set pulpits on fire. Visit every pastor. Visit every leader, God. Begin to awaken us. And God would set intercessors on the wall. We're in a Psalm 2 crisis as we see a generation of less than 4% want anything to do with, with Christianity and church. I'm like, God, raise up the greatest youth revival we've ever seen. Touch young people, 25 and younger. Begin to set them on fire. Hallelujah. We're in a Psalm 2 crisis, but I believe that the response is a Joel 2 response. A Joel 2 response. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. God's into giving trumpets, waking, giving alarms. Does anybody like your alarm in the morning? Two of you. Sheep. I know you probably do. There's usually a couple in every crowd that really like their alarm. I think Joel Osteen really likes his alarm in the morning. I do. He's that kind of guy. He just wakes up. I am ready for today. I'm not that. I'm not that excited. Tell me about the nature of an alarm. It's rude. It doesn't care how good your sleep is. It doesn't care how nice the posturepedic bed is, or how comfortable the downy comforter is or how little sleep you've got in this last season or how tired you are and how cold it is i never want to hear how cold it is in florida but <laughs> but that might be cold for you alarms are rude they have one agenda and that's to get your behind out of bed and aren't we grateful for alarms or we would just sleep our life away do you know that no alarm like this would ever get you up in the morning? Corey. Corey, you need to get up. Stop it, Corey. I know you're not paying attention to me right now. But you need to get up. You've got a big day ahead of you. Corey, you're not responding. <laughs> that wouldn't even touch my REM cycle. touch my rim cycle. No, you need or fast to the phones. <laughs> Whatever. God has alarm clocks. God has alarm clocks. Because at the end of the day, he doesn't want us sleeping through the church's greatest hour. He doesn't want us sleeping through the church's greatest hour. This is the hour for the church to be awake alive, filled with the knowledge of His will, and beginning to engage in the battle at a whole nother level. And this is Joel's trumpet. It's an alarm to break through the fogs, to break through the confusion. And in essence, Joel makes it clear in Joel 2.15, blow the trumpet, sound an alarm, and this is in essence what Joel says. Let everybody come off your individual isolated islands of just quiet time alone with Jesus and join yourself in the place of prayer and cry out together. Now, Joel's invasive. Joel's invasive because I like my quiet times looking off my back porch with a nice Laura Hackett CD, a cup of coffee, watching the deers eat in my feeder. And I get to read up most for his highest. I go, hmm, I'm getting something from that. I'm sorry if I'm busting on all of y'all's quiet times right now. <laughs> There's some good things that happen in those. Look at the deer eat. Thank you for creation. <laughs> I'm not busting, but I am. Joel shows up in the middle of your quiet time and knocks the cup of coffee over. 
screams at the deer so they run off, turns off Laura's CD and said, I want you to join yourself at IHOP Jacksonville. They got prayer meetings Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. It's a little weird because they don't pray like you. The music might be a little too loud for you. One person may be manifest and be a little weird. (laughs) But I want you to go in there because I want to tell you that your individual ceiling is so high. But when you do it together with others, the ceiling lifts and I release my power. (sighs) 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 Catch that because there's a great assignment of the evil one against corporate prayer. And I feel it right now. The anointing is getting released right now. There's an assignment of the evil one to keep us on our islands. And the Lord's saying, I want to gather for corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. I mean, Joel shows up in the middle of wedding saying, don't even get married right now. You need to get over here. He gets old people. He shows up in the children's center. He shows up at the old person's home. He shows up everywhere and says, get together and cry out for mercy. Cry out for revival. Cry out for the church. Cry out that God would release His presence and send a spirit of revival in our city. And I'm blowing that trumpet tonight in Jacksonville. Bigger than even people's ears, but I just declare it over Jacksonville. That you would release a call, a trumpet blast in this region. And that you would begin to call and gather and sanctify and assemble that you would begin to call people out of comfort zones and that you would begin to invade our lives and that we would find ourselves together. God, I ask you for a unity movement around prayer and worship in this city, God. I ask you to raise up bold trumpets, God, and where the enemy has sought to snuff that out. Father, I pray for breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would put your trumpets in your people's mouth. I pray, God, that you would stir the spirit of prayer. Oh, God, release it in the name of Jesus. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. And God, we just release it. Release it, Jesus. Release dreams to pastors in this city. Release an awakening to the watchmen in this city, God. Release an anointing. I ask you for dreams, prophetic words, divine swirls, where we would find ourselves together. Jesus, he says, blow the trumpet, sound an alarm. He says, you know what? For this season, we're not going to watch prison break. You're going to find yourself at the prayer meeting on Tuesday night and Thursday night. You're going to get your kids in the atmosphere of presence. Hallelujah. You can... Look at Joel 2.28. He says, it shall come to pass afterward. Everybody say afterward. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men dream dreams. On my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. On the day of Pentecost, when they were all gathered together in one accord, they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind and divided tongues of fire began to appear over their heads. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And they came out of the upper room and the man who was scared to talk about Jesus around a campfire to a little girl comes out of the same city right down the road and begins to openly declare, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He could have chosen other passages about the outpouring of the Spirit, but he chose Joel, a three-chapter minor prophet in the Old Testament. Why? Because they had been following Joel's prescribed model. And ours... He goes, and when he says, this is that which was spoken by Joel, he's saying Joel's prophecy has begun and it will continue until the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. 
which means church looks different. And what I'll always do in seasons of history is that the church will hit walls, that there will be brass heavens, things will go back to normal. And in those hours, I will begin to release trumpets that begin to get people off their islands together. They'll gather together. And in that context, I will send the outpouring of the Spirit and I will begin to release a witness through my sons and daughters and it will begin to bring the church into a new season of awakening. I believe that we're moving in. That's what God's doing with houses of prayer, praying churches, groups. And, you know, we're just seeing the virus of prayer break out all over the earth. It blows my mind. We're seeing it break out all over the earth. What's he doing? He's gathering us because we're on the verge of a third great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Third great awakening in this nation. He's raising up the global upper room for a global outpouring. Jesus. Sons and daughters prophesying. I love it. It's not like it dawned on Peter when he came out of that upper room. Hey, this is kind of like Joel. I think Joel would be a good message to preach today. I think he had been living in it and he was fully aware that this is the prescribed model. What does it look like? It looks like the virus of gathering together like no other time in our homes, in our churches, in this place. Getting people off their islands, shutting off their phones and say, we're going to talk to God together. We're going to worship together. It's hard. I tell you, I do a lot of things, but having trying to have family prayer meetings is one of the most intense things in the world. I end up spanking kids, man. I get, get all fired up. I've ended up in the flesh more times than not, screaming at everybody. <laughs> and then you just lose any witness you have. <laughs> that he's doing it in homes. He's doing it in our churches. He's raising up praying churches who are going to begin to say, we're going to, we're going to spend more energy and time and resource on building prayer in our church than another networking meeting or strategy or marketing meeting. We're going to build on our knees. He's raising up IHOP Jacksonville as a, as a banner, as a wall in the middle of this city saying, oh, God has great plans for you, Jacksonville. We're going to take our stand to throw logs on the fire of the house of prayer in the whole city. We need those singers, man. I, we just need the singers singing over this city, guys. I love the standing, the beholding, the inquiring. But do you understand what begins to happen when you begin to prophesy? And I just keep thinking, this Psalm 29, it says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. Read you some Psalm 29 around here. Get the singers. You get to look at that. Guys, this is better. We got Kansas City. It's ugly and it's boring. Ain't nothing going on in Kansas City. <laughs> Ain't nothing. What I'm saying is, y'all got a lot of help here. You got prophetic help. You got the high places. You got the waters. <laughs> I'd be stirred to pray. Just let me look at it all day. I'd preach at it. Those prophetic singers, these songs, that, that song that just came out, guys, I'm telling you. If I ever only have communion, I'm the richest person in the world. I mean, what a statement. We sing that over the church. We call the church into our identity. We call the church. We begin to speak and pray. Guys, do you understand that God creates by the power of speaking and singing? In Genesis 1, guys, we know what He did in Genesis 1, but God didn't have to do what He did in Genesis 1. Do you understand that He could have blinked, let there be light, and there would be light? And we would all be in rooms around the world just blinking. And some people would be anointed blinkers. They would have new styles of blinking. We would read their books on blinking. You have God in the beginning. The spirit brooding. And then God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. That right there defines it right there that God's power is released when the word is spoken. And when we speak the word and sing the word over Jacksonville, we believe that creative power is being released to shift, to change, to redo, to tear down. Jeremiah 1, I've put my words in your mouth to destroy, to bring down, to tear down and to build up. The power of the word to to do this. Guys, that's what's happening in intercession. Jesus, why does Jesus have to ask for it? He says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Now ask me and I'll give nations as your inheritance. That you'd begin to ask for the nations that are gathering in the city. That you would ask God for the nations of the earth. I I love that map. Some of you are in the warfare of your life. Your spouse is somewhere and you've lost each other for the last few years. And you begin to ask God, Father, release my inheritance. God, I don't want just a marriage of survival and just strangers in the same house. God, I I want an on fire marriage. God, I want to run with my wife. I want to run with my husband. God, I I want you to ignite a flame. God, that's my inheritance. That's what, that's what I ask for. God, I, I, don't, I don't need my kids to grow up just knowing religion and then running off in rebellion. God, I want my kids to be on fire. Ask Him for it. Get your mouth open and ask Him. But don't ask Him as somebody begging and just, God, I don't think you're going to do it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do it. It's powerful that He first tells Him, you are my son. You know why it's so important? Because that releases... That, that, I want to tell you, it's the spirit of sonship that releases faith upon you. When you understand that you are His and He is yours, and you see your inheritance, you're not wishing or hoping or just pleading. You know you have His ear, and you know He's moving at the sound of your voice. God, break into my son's life. God, disrupt his life and mess up all of his plans tonight. Because he said he will rule them with a rod of iron, dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel, which means God disrupt, blow up, destroy. Ask him for your inheritance. Ask for your sons. Ask for your parents. Ask for your, your, your siblings. Ask and begin to ask for your inheritance. Holy Spirit. But I'm here to tell you, God wants to raise up trumpets in all kinds of spheres. Trumpets, you can't just push a snooze button on these alarms. They don't go away. I'm not talking about being mean, but I'm just saying I'm not backing off of this. I'm not backing off of this. I want to ask that God would begin to set intercessors tonight afresh on the wall. That He'd begin to set intercessors for this. He's going to set intercessors in our homes, but He wants to set them in the city. He wants to break off unbelief and what begins to happen when the prophetic spirit comes on the musicians and the singers. And they begin to join in with the intercessors. And we begin to sing songs over this city and we begin to prophesy over this city. We begin to take Ephesians 1 and ask that the Father of glory would give to the church the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I believe he wants to release an awakening. I've just been looking at people like, I mean, setting intercessors. I see little Hannah back there. That's your name, right? Hannah? She's not probably little, but I'm old, so I can call her by little. I'm 40. It's just getting out of control. Hannah. You know, in the Bible, Hannah. I've been teaching my intercession class recently, and we were teaching on Hannah and the story of Hannah is a man with two wives. That's his first problem, but. <laughs> one's name's Paniah. The other one's name's Hannah. And the description about Paniah is she has children. And Hannah does not have children. Okay? And so we see this set, this, this storyline established. One with the seeming favor on her life. And the other one who has this deep, painful wound called barrenness. And we see the storyline keep going. They're godly. They're good people. 
Elkanah loves Hannah and will give her double portions. And it seems that for a while, Hannah's just content just to have it like that and just say it is what it is. But it says twice in that story that the Lord closed her womb. Which means, and not only that, Paniah, he calls her the rival and she's provoking her. Which means Paniah's looking at her life saying, what are you doing with your life? You're a failure, you ain't done anything. And then the Lord has closed her womb, so she's stuck in this place of barrenness and brokenness. And all of a sudden the dam starts breaking. And Hannah releases one of the greatest intercessory cries in the Bible. She says, God, I don't care no more. I don't care anymore. She's on my nerves. You've shut off my womb and I can't live like this anymore. God, I pray, break off barrenness off my life. Give me a son. And I won't use him nor use him to build up anything for me. But I'll put him right back before you in the house of God. He'll be a Nazarite. No razor will touch his head. And God, I'll give him back to you. See, I believe God's raising up Hannah's in the, in the church right now. It's almost like two types of people. One group, they're content. They've got all the seeming blessing. They have the children. There's a good life about them. And there's another group that though they're happy with everything they have in Christ, there's still a deep wound over them. And it's the barrenness of the power of the gospel and the prophetic spirit on the church. Saying, God, I'm grateful for everything. God, we ask you, raise up sons and daughters, restore the priesthood, restore prophets, because we understand that it was Hannah's prayer that ended up leading to the coronation of David. Because a woman said, I can't take it anymore. And I believe that God wants, and I, I look at Hannah, I'm like, oh man, she's got this stuff written all over her. She's got prophetic intercessor, one that's made to burn in the house of God, one that's made to contend and say, God, break off barrenness off the church. I'm grateful for all the amazing things that are happening. But God, your word, God, your fame, God, your power, revival breaking out, that you would break out with the spirit of revival in Jacksonville, that you would break out through the south and that you would break through the Bible belt and begin to awaken the church. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I just pray that he would mark intercessors tonight. Don't just become a trumpet, hear a trumpet first. Let's stand, I'm going to pray for you guys. Holy Spirit. Yeah, come on, come on up here. Jesus. Psalm 2, Joel 2, Acts 2. Psalm 2, Joel 2, Acts 2. 2015, I had the word inheritance on me and I couldn't shake it. All I just went around. This is the time for inheritance. But I'm here to tell you that the enemy will rage the greatest warfare around your inheritance. You just stand in confidence and you say, Father, it's what you've said. It's what you've promised. I love that Jesus is not caught into the confusion and the swirl. He's caught locked eyes with Abba. Let's just open up our hands. I want to ask this for that God would begin to release the spirit of prayer. That he would awaken an intercession. That there would be a gathering anointing released in this city. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you for IHOP Jacksonville. I thank you for 10 years of faithfulness before your throne. I thank you, God, for all the storyline connected to it. Father, I'm just asking that you would use this weekend as a fresh injection and that you would begin to 
bring forth IHOP Jacksonville as well as the whole church in this region into the next season. Father, I pray that you would begin to, in this house, that you would begin to mark intercessors, that you would begin to release fresh fire on the altar, that you would begin to release a fresh prophetic spirit on the intercessors, that there would be a fresh fire for the spirit of revival to break out. God, I'm grateful for everything that you've done and are doing. But Father, we want a spirit of revival like we read in the Word of God, like we read in history books of where you step down, God, and to where there's a conscious manifest zone of the spirit of conviction and a conscious manifest zone of the spirit of glory. Father, we ask you to begin to release an awakening. I ask you to sound a trumpet in the heart of your people tonight. I ask you to blow a trumpet in the spirit right now. Just prophesy to your spirits. I say awakening in the name of Jesus. 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 Awaken the watchman, God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Assemble the elders. The bridegroom and the bride come out from her chamber. Let the priest weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare your people, O God. Send revival. Release your mercy. Pour out your spirit, God, we pray, that you would shift the seasons in Jacksonville. God, I pray for a holy shaking to every church in this region. Release the spirit of prophecy. I pray that, God. Every time I start doing this, I see the waters. I pray for the Psalm 29. Voice of the Lord. Psalm 29. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. Mark your intercessors. Let's begin to ask Him for our inheritance. Breakthrough in our homes. Breakthrough in our marriages. Breakthrough for our sons and our daughters. Breakthrough, God, in our city. Breakthrough, God, in our own lives. God, we need a shift. He says, ask of me. you got to get your mouth open. There's something about your mouth open where you got to ask Him. Father, I ask you for my marriage. That's it. Let's begin to pray in the spirit all over the room. God, release the spirit of prayer right now. Keep going. He sits in the heavens. Get up into the heavens. Get up into the heavens. Get above the storm. Get above the storm.
Breakthrough in marriages, breakthrough in homes, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Awakening God, release the spirit of prayer, release the cry for justice, the cry for justice, breakthrough in the name of Jesus, breakthrough in the name of Jesus, breakthrough in the name of Jesus, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. He's awakening the warrior cry on the inside of you. He is awakening the warrior cry on the inside of you. Ha. Awakening. Isaiah 42, sing to the Lord a new song. I love Isaiah 42. It's the servant who's going to bring justice. First 10 verses are how he's going to come at his first coming. He comes in quiet. He doesn't lift up his voice. 
But he comes and he gives his life. And then he goes to the right hand of the Father. Where for the last 2,000 years he's been in intercession. And he said, I'm going to be quiet until my people start lifting their voices. Until I see a global singing and prayer movement arise. And then he says this. It says, after he awakens his people, it says, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. I just feel that he's awakening a warrior cry on the inside of you. It's time for inheritance. It's time for inheritance. Just lift your hands to him right now, Father. Here we are, God. Let the singing begin in Jacksonville. Let fire pour out upon the songs for justice. The songs to the Lamb of God. Songs to the warrior king. The songs to the righteous judge. Oh, we sing to you, Lamb of God. We worship you in this city. We say, stir your zeal, O man of war. Break in with your power into our homes. Break in with your power into our families. Break in with your power. Break in with your power into our city. Break in with your power into this region, mighty God. That your word would break out in power. Fire. Spirit of prayer.